train. We have to be in big girl panties by Tuesday of next week. <laughs> well, they're in big girl panties and have been for the last two days. So. They've been in big girl panties for two days now, and it's going okay swimmingly, if you call swimming and peel. <laughs> It's not that bad. They're going potty in the toilet. No, they are. So we asked, we said, what do you constitute being potty trained as? And it was, do they know what a toilet is? <laughs> yeah. So, they use the toilet. And and judging from the other kids in the class, we're all about the same level. The problem is that their bathroom is upstairs. So they have to go so out of the classroom, up two sets of stairs. And then to the toilet. And it's Millie, too much work. It's too much work. Millie takes forever on stairs. So does Libby. They really enjoy stairs. Playing on Playing the stairs. Playing stairs. Not going upstairs to go to the bathroom. So I have a feeling there's going to be accidents between the classroom and a the lot. bathroom. But that's she said why they, they didn't have, have any clothes. accidents last year. I have a hard time believing that. Classroom through full of three year olds and not one accident. I mean, there's a lot of peer pressure, a lot of shaming that goes on. With three-year-olds. I hope not. <laughs> I, I worked in a daycare. My five-year-olds were still peeing themselves. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. I vividly remember wetting my pants in the first grade because yeah. my mom put me in shorts that had the button-up crotch. So there were like six buttons I had to undo to go to the bathroom. You couldn't undo two and pull them down? Just, it was the 80s, so they were like high-waisted up to here. She's hippie. I've got big hips. I had big hips at the age, <laughs> the age of seven or whatever. She's full-figured. You're a full-figured six-year-old? I guess. I don't know. I just blame She's my mom house. on that one. <coughs> I just blame my mom. Okay. Mom. So welcome to another episode of <laughs> Jump Junkies. We have a lot going on, but we're here today for another episode of Jump Junkies. Hi, I'm Brecken. And Jonathan. And we are um, in the midst of lots of things in our lives. Preschool beginning for the twins. Potty training. Potty training. Preparing oh, like two weddings over two different weekends. The twins are flower girls. Trade shows. Trade shows. And then Africa. And We've Africa. got a lot going on in the next two weeks. we got a lot going on between now and Before December. we go to Africa. And my biggest concern is not getting malaria. Okay. We so have, it's we have a drugs for that. Concern. There are drugs. And I last night was up until midnight researching the best insect repellent. And I bought the stuffy spray on your clothes that kills mosquitoes on contact. Lasts for six washes. So it should be good for us while we're in Africa. And then I bought this stuff that you <coughs> rub on your skin that is certified by the World Health Organization as the number one deterrent for mosquitoes. Outside of D. So we're going to be covered there. But then you had to buy a special sunblock. <laughs> That's why I was up until midnight. Nobody but wants malaria. I'm not getting malaria and I'm going to be very well packed. I'm trying to pack in a carry-on. For two weeks. I'm going to do this. I've never done this. I'm the girl that takes 60 pounds to every trade show because I get it for free because of my status on Delta. So we'll see if I can pack in a carry-on. I'm trying to stay under 50. You think that you need a big suitcase? I don't I don't want a big suitcase, but I'm thinking medium. I'm thinking bigger than a carry-on. 
Okay. Well, I don't have to haul it, so. She's just going to end up putting her stuff in your suitcase. I am. I already have a little, like, packet of, like, uh, toiletries that I can't condense down to the carry-on restriction. <laughs> so you're planning on me checking. Well, it's like a, if you have to check, I'm going to take advantage of the situation. Okay, what if I decide to carry on? Then I'll, I'll go without. I can do it. Look at they're both like, no, you can't. I can. I don't need hair cream in Africa. I'm just probably going to wear it back in a ponytail. Probably. So, yeah, just two little piggies back there because I cut my hair off, but I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm, I'm committed. And I have to do it because I have a trip to Hong Kong with your dad in November, a buying trip, and he wants me to carry on. So I've got to figure out how to do this. He wants me to condense my luggage because it's a pain in the butt. We have to take a ferry from Hong Kong to mainland China. Carry on's much better. Much we all better. know that. Anyway, back to Spinel. The real reason we're all here today. Spinel. We've been promising it for what? Months? Not months, weeks. We've been teasing it for weeks. Okay. It might be um, inching up there into my favorite gemstone category. Spinel. Well, we first, I really remember first learning about Spinel when we were at GIA in Thailand. And our director, Dr. Laurent Massey, his favorite gemstone was Spinel. And he wore a Spinel. And he he had his doctorate in physics. And he, he accomplished that by doing this huge research project on Spinel. So he was absolutely obsessed with it and the way that light passes through it. And all the nitty-gritties of it, so I really... And he called it Spino, because he's French. Spino. I like how they say words. (laughs) All right, Jonathan, do you know where the name Spinel comes from? Uh, From Latin. It does. Spina, which means arrow. Well, I thought that it meant spine or thorn. So we have two different definitions for spina, which is totally cool. They're both sharp and pointy, which is how it got its name because spinel crystals are sharp and pointy. Right. Uh, It's an eight on the Mohs hardness scale, so it's a really durable gemstone. It's got nice vitreous luster. It's in the cubic crystal system. Yes, the same as garnet and diamond. So that means it's singly refractive, so it sparkles a lot. So it sparkles like your garnet and it sparkles like your diamond. And that's one reason why Dr. Laurent loved it so much was because you can see the color of a spinel from across the room. If you hold up a garnet, or if you hold up, let's say, a ruby ring, and you walk 30 feet across the room, you can't tell the color of that gemstone anymore because you're so far away. But if you have a spinel in a ring and you walk across the room 30 feet, you can see the color of a spinel. It's It's amazing. It's the physics. Physics. The physics of crystallography. Yeah. Which, I don't know, might explain. It was often confused with ruby in the early days. Much of ancient times it was confused. Yeah, red spinel was confused with ruby. I guess there are a lot of colors of spinel, but they're often confused. Even blue spinel was confused with sapphire a lot, too. Right. Right. Okay, so 
The crystal structure. <laughs> the crystal structure. Probably my favorite part of spinel. Like its name, it's spiky. So it is in the cubic crystal system. Um, and its habit is octahedron. Which means you have two pyramids back to back. And they are four-sided pyramids, like the Great Pyramids of Egypt. Right. Now, we also say that sapphire is... Bipyramid. Bipyramid, which can be confusing, but sapphire is part of the trigonal crystal system. system. And it, Hexagonal. Yes, it's hexagonal. So it's two hexagonal pyramids back-to-back, where spinel is two... Four-sided. Four-sided pyramids back-to-back. But anyway, super cool crystals. Yes. Um, they are so... Often twinned. Yeah, they're so well formed um, that in Burma, they're said to be not clay or polished by the spirits. I think they're so cool. I've seen a lot of jewelry designers just using spinel crystals without any cutting, fastening, polishing or anything like that. Yeah, I think they're one of the most collectible crystals because the crystals themselves are so pretty yeah and so they form a lot of them form by internal twinning right um and when jonathan and i lived in thailand we spent i don't know what two hours going through this poor man's collection of spinel crystals that were super tiny looking for twinned crystals yeah which we found a bunch yeah we found a bunch i guess we were obsessed with twins before we had them oh look at that how crazy. There you go. Now we'll just have to collect every kind of twinned crystal. How about that? That could be your shopping list for Tucson. Twinned specimens. Twinned specimens. Twin specimens. I still have the Peridot thing going on. Yep. But it wasn't until 1783 that it was actually differentiated between ruby and spinel. For the longest time, back in antiquity... Everything that was red was a ruby. Everything that was blue was a sapphire. Exactly. So it was easily confused. It was easily <clears throat> confused. So there was um, a French crystallographer and mineralogist. He has some beautiful drawings and amazing, amazing books. His name is Jean-Baptiste. He's the father of modern crystal crystallography. Okay. And he is the one that determined the difference between ruby and spinel. Mostly based on crystal, crystal structure. structure. So, Very cool. Yeah, super cool. Now they could probably he probably could have also used something similar to the Mohs scale testing hardness because sapphire or corundum is harder than spinel. It's yeah. one step higher on the Mohs scale. The Mohs scale wasn't invented until 1812, which is after he made that differentiation. But the art of scratching stones with other stones for comparison was used in antiquity. It was noted by Pliny the Elder back in like 77 AD. Yeah. Just because there wasn't a scale didn't mean people didn't understand there was a difference in hardness. Yeah. So one of my, another one of my favorite things about spinel is what people thought were rubies, but were actually spinel. So there's a lot of very famous gemstones that are, even to this day, still called a ruby, but they're actually a spinel. So there is the Black Prince Ruby, which was which is in the Imperial Crown of England. 
And it's actually a spinel. Yeah. And it is a rough crystal. Yeah. That's been polished. It's been polished. So it's uh, kind of like a freeform, like, I would say globular looking thing on the crown. Um, So do you want to know the story of the Black Prince movie? Tell us the story. It is dramatic. Okay. It's so dramatic. Okay, so we first learned about the Black Prince Ruby way back in the 1300s. That's when it comes on the world stage. So when we first hear about this very large ruby crystal, what they thought. It was owned by Abdu Said, who was an Arab Muslim prince of Granada. He was conquered and forced to surrender by Don Pedro the Cruel. Yes, he was the king of Spain at the time. And it is said that Abu had to go to the king to surrender. And when he arrived, all of his servants were killed and he was stabbed by Don Pedro the Cruel himself. And then all of a sudden, this Black Prince Ruby ends up in the hands of Don Pedro. How'd he get it? Killed him. Stole it. Took all his land. So, obviously by his name, Don Pedro the Cruel, he wasn't well-liked. We we can all gather that. So his illegitimate brother led a revolt against him. He was outgunned, outmanned. Throwing a little Hamilton there. (laughs) He had to form an alliance with Edward III, also known as the Black Black Prince. Prince. We see where this is going. Edward III came in from England. He said, I'll help you out, but you got to give me that. And Don Pedro was like, no, man, I don't want to give you that. And he said, I just saved your butt. You're giving me that. So the Black Prince Ruby, as it then becomes known, comes back to England. Yeah. And it's been in several different... It was actually worn, he wore it in a helmet. Uh, Ru- uh, Henry V. Henry V. Yes. Right. So it kind of, you know, passed down through all the monarchs. Henry V wore it in a gem-encrusted helmet. He was actually struck in the head while wearing the helmet. Almost lost his life and his the helmet, but he didn't. He lived. Um, then after that... Oh, Richard III, who was not a very good king. Nobody likes Richard III. Probably thanks to Shakespeare and the fact that his brother's kids mysteriously disappeared. He was killed wearing it. He was wearing it in a helmet, died in that as well. Um, Then Henry VIII, another, you know, famous king, uh, decided that he was going to set it in the Tudor crown it disappears when the monarchy kind of goes away, suddenly comes back when the monarchy comes back in the 1660s. And from there, it's been remade 10 times into various different crowns. Um, survived a fire, attempted thefts, World War II bombing. Uh, the, the one, the big occasion that it was used for, it was in 1838 was Queen Victoria's coronation, where she built this extremely grand crown. And they call that the heavy version because it had 3,093 gems in it. It was then downsized in 1937 
They call it the lighter version, which is the version that exists today. It only has 2,900 gems in it. So they shrunk it down by like maybe 200 gems. The lighter version. Lighter. But if you want to go see the Black Prince Ruby, or really the Black Prince Spinel, it really should, we should just change the name. Yeah. Um, it is on display with the crown jewels of the Tower of London. There, there you go. go. Go check it out. So we've talked a little bit about the different colors of Spinel. Yeah. So... We got sidetracked by my love of history, death and destruction. <laughs> Very true. And so what colors do Spinel come in? Well, of course, red, right? Yeah. Because it gets confused with ruby. Red, pink, blue, lavender, violet... Dark green, brown, black, and even colorless. Mm -hmm. Colorless is its purest form. So it's colored by impurities. Right. Um, chromium, the same thing that colors ruby, colors the red and pink. Um, iron and chromium gives you orange and purple. Um, gray spinel is, violet or gray spinel is colored only by iron. Um, it can also create really dark, intense blues. But one of my favorite colors of spinel is cobalt blue spinel. Yeah, cobalt blue is beautiful. It's insane. It's like cobalt blue spinel. I don't. How how would you describe that color? I'm trying to rack my brain. What is it like? The purest. The purest, crispest form of blue, right? Like it's brighter than a royal blue. Yeah. Like a cornflower blue, but that's often used to describe sapphire. And I don't think it's as it's, dark. It's not, it's, you know, cornflower's not dark, but it's it's a brighter blue. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it's colored by cobalt. And it's extremely rare. Yeah, not it's, a lot of No. Cobalt. When we were at GIA... Our, one of our classmates, his mom had one. They were spinel dealers. All right. Well, you want to talk about sources now? Yeah. Where do they come yeah. from? Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, where does spinel come from? Uh, Sri Lanka. Yep. Where it's found in limestone. It's found in modern-day Afghanistan, mm -hmm. in Tajikistan, mm -hmm. in Burma, mm -hmm. uh, or known Myanmar. as Myanmar, and also Vietnam. Tanzania, Kenya, Madagascar, Madagascar. Yes, yeah, so, so quite a quite a, quite a different grouping of places. Your ancient sources are Burma with the Mogok mines, which produce probably the best reds and pinks as far as spinels go, um, and also Tajikistan, Afghanistan. Those are ancient sources, and that's where a lot of your larger fine crystals come from. New source, uh, Sri Lanka is also an ancient source. New sources are Vietnam, and I think the most exciting and where the most potential is, is Africa. Yes. In uh, Tanzania, Kenya, Madagascar. I think that's where you're going to see a huge increase in production of spinel in the next few years. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, makes sense. And um, the cool thing is that spinel forms in the same metamorphic rocks as corundum. So they're often found together, which also led to the confusion 
that it's the same thing. So if you're mining in one area and you're finding all these red stones, they're all ruby. Or you're finding blue stones, they're all sapphire. So it's, it's interesting how their lives kind of intertangled and got woven together. And I, I often find it interesting that Spinel is, they're found together so often. It was mistaken for the same stone. It was known when it came out as the great imposter. Because a lot of your very important state gemstones or crown gemstones are actually rubies. Or act. Oh, I'm confusing myself on this. Is yeah, a spinel or a ruby thing? Okay, so uh, it was known as the Great Imposter when when it was released that all these very important gemstones and were all not these crown rubies. Jewels we're not rubies. We're not sapphires, but we're actually spinel. So it's got this Great Imposter thing, and I think if you put a beautiful ruby and a beautiful spinel side by side. I might lean towards the spinel. I might. Because it's singly refractive, so it sparkles more. It's kind of, it's a livelier, brighter looking stone. Yeah. Sometimes rubies, even in your finest, can look a little sleepy. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So maybe that's what I want to replace my ruby that you sold. A big red spinel. Big. Big. Add that to your shopping list. Okay. No problem. But so as far as it being underappreciated and underrepresented in the gem market, I think that's going to change. Because for the longest time, it was known as kind of a dealer stone, a really beautiful stone, but there wasn't a huge demand or supply for it. But now that sapphire and ruby have gotten so expensive. So expensive. That now there's a, a larger demand for spinel. And actually we see it because, I don't know, the powers that be, I guess people that decide these things, have decided that spinel is now the birthstone for August. Yep, one more birthstone. One more birthstone for August. So if you don't like peridot, you can get yourself a spinel in any color. There you go. But don't treat peridot like that. Get a peridot and a spinel. <laughs> Sorry. Get a peridot and a spinel and a ruby and a sapphire and maybe some tourmaline. Just have it all. Have it all. Have it all. Treatments. No treatments for spinel. There no. is synthetic spinel, which was accidentally created in the middle of the 18th century. Story, please. Oh. <laughs> it was just an accident. Yeah, it was just an accident. Accidentally produced in the middle of the 18th century. It has been described more recently in scientific publications in 2004. By 2015, transparent spinel was being made in sheets okay, we and other shapes through synth- so synthetic. What is synthetic spinel used for? Uh, can be. It looks like glass, and they can create it in like sheets. And but it's harder so, than glass. Right. So it has a higher strength and against pressure. And so it has many applications in military and commercial use. Mm-hmm. Cool. Spinel. Synthetic. You know, one thing that I learned too is that spinel comes in a color change variety. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. It goes from like a purplish blue to like a pinkish purple. 
It's more of a color shift. Well, it changes from blue to purple. Okay. But and I would even lean more towards pink, like a blue to a pink. Hmm. And there's a star variety of it. Star, I didn't know that. Star spinel. Star spinel, but there's no no demand for it it's because spinel is not traditionally known as a phenomenal gemstone. Hmm. Cool, huh? Yeah. All these little things. All kinds of little things. All these cool little things about spinel, which is why it's slowly moving up my list. Not actually slowly. We have some gray spinel. So gray spinel has kind of become, I would say, like a little designer darling. Yeah. Everybody is searching for gray spinel. And we're holding on to a stash of it. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it yet, but we've got a nice little collection of gray spinel that we might... We probably will make into jewelry. I would say look for a gray spinel collection from Parlay coming 2019, I would say. And maybe when we're in Africa, we'll pick up a couple more. A little more Jonathan said Jonathan said I could shop. <laughs> you could go all the way to Africa and not buy anything. We're going to go to Africa. We're going to buy something, but it's not going to be trinkety. I can't. When I travel, I can't like do stuff like that. Plus, it always breaks in your bag going home. Maybe not mine, because I'm carrying on now. There you go. I can buy trinkets and gemstones. I think we'll ship the gemstones home. Yeah. We don't want to get into customs issues. <laughs> ship them home. Love you, Spido. I'm always rooting for the underdog. Maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Never want the Yankees to win. Poor Red Sox. <laughs> Because you watch a lot of baseball. I don't. <laughs> you don't follow any baseball. Anyway. If you want to see what we do in our real lives, you can follow us at Parlay Gems on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We also have a Gem Junkies group on our Facebook page. Yep. So come and join that. Uh, next week. Who knows? The world is our oyster. Yeah, we'll find something else to talk about. We'll find something. If you have any suggestions or comments, or there's anything that you would like to hear about uh, jewelry-wise, we're here. Hit us up. Send us a message. DM us. Is that what you say? DM us on Instagram. I'm learning all the lingo. I'm doing it, man. Bye. We'd also like to take a moment to thank Savannah, our editor and producer. You're doing awesome. Bye.